You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Well, hello, Gavin and Andrew. Hello. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. For those who haven't come across you or your business, introduce yourself. Tell the listeners what we're talking about today. Yeah. So, I'm Gavin Buchanan, and this is my co-founder, Andrew. I'll let him uh, jump in in a second. But essentially, uh, we've created an adherence solution that's built uh, for pharmacies um, in order to help reduce DIR fees, increase patient retention, improve the patient experience with taking a prescription medication, and just make sure that the things are running smoothly with pharmacy operations. Um, And the reason that we started this business um, and something that we can get to more later um, in this conversation uh, is really due to our personal experiences with medication non-adherence. Myself losing a family member to to not taking his medication um, and using that experience to create something that should um, and will help patients um, manage their medications more properly and put systems in place that allow for real-time health interventions to happen um, and incentivize for people to take their prescriptions correctly. So that's a little bit about what we're doing. Um, We're launching at several independent pharmacies right now. um, And that's one of our passions is providing the most value to independent pharmacy and to their patient bases um, and getting into the hands of of anyone who needs it. Uh, I'm Andrew Rector. I'm one of the co-founders of Patrex. You're relatively fresh out of college, right? Right. Correct. And I know that you've got good sales training. Because when I asked you, Gavin, about what was going on, you gave an answer that is the proper answer now for marketing, where you don't tell me about your product. I don't give a crap about your product. That's what people say. I want to know what benefits you give to me, right? So you were telling me all about the benefits of what this thing does. But you know what? I'm really interested in just what is this damn thing? You know, because we, this is really cool and we'll get to those benefits. And so I'm, I know I'm making you break your rules because people said, don't, don't tell them the product, tell them the, you know, the real benefit. But what do you guys got here? This is like Bluetooth cool stuff, right? On a, on a cap. What is this? When we set out to create something that would improve adherence, uh, we recognized that smart, smart adherence solutions were the future. And when we talked with pharmacists, you know, all over the nation, hundreds of pharmacists during our our customer research, we found out that pharmacists had a few needs that would basically determine what kind of solution they would adopt. And the three major ones were, one, it had to be extremely simple and easy to integrate with their workflow. The second is that it had to not disrupt their supply chain. And the third was that it had to be uh, extremely cheap. And when we looked at, at the, the landscape of smart adherence solutions that were out there, uh, they didn't fall under any three of those categories. They replaced some form of the pill bottle cap or the pill bottle or introduced a new form of packaging. They weren't necessarily intuitive or easy for new patients to just onboard and understand. And they were also very costly, you know, double digit or triple digit solutions for these uh, kind of technologies and devices. I'm imagining, and I don't know if I have this right, but I'm imagining that some of these were like these things about the size of a big coffee can that would make the pills kind of come down like a gumball machine and spit them out and this and that. That's probably the one of the expensive ones. And then this goes down to things like packaging and 
you know, basically a check mark or maybe some way to text a button to your children that you took the medicine or something. Do I have that right as the two bookends or what am I missing on the more deluxe side that is more expensive than what I'm thinking or less than what I had just mentioned there? Yeah. So they go all the way up to really complicated, um, multi, multi, um, uh, pharmacy solutions, um, where, you know, it might be, it might be a multi pill sorter that, you know, I'm looking at like hero health, uh, or Ellie grid, both of which I think are 30 to $40 a month for a single patient for access to it, larger devices that can handle multiple medications and dispense them. Um, obviously something that, that might be, uh, of interest for, you know, some uh, an elder who has the money um, and the wherewithal to use uh, such a device, but definitely nothing that that would integrate at the pharmacy level. And I think you're right though about the bookends of being on one side, you know, kind of uh, the the higher end devices, um, down to you know simple software solutions. Simple software. It's 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 technology, but it's at its simplest form of a you know, checking off a spreadsheet or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? Right, exactly. Exactly. The people that are supposed to be in the know, it was probably going to be, I imagine, like a family member. Was your idea then to go back to a healthcare worker, whether it's a pharmacist or the doctor? What do you think the best program is? Who should be finding out about this? So for us, I mean, one of the biggest things that we realized very quickly was how fractured this market is in healthcare in general. And so one of the biggest things that we wanted to do is streamline some of those operations between individual parts and individual entities. Um, And so what we saw really was like, you know, when you give patients more accountability, when you give people in their lives more insight into what's going on with their medications, as well as those that are involved directly in their healthcare, their physicians, their pharmacists, whoever it is, you're going to see much better results. And that was one of the biggest things that we tried to do was make sure that all those pieces were connected. Um, And this is the reason why we designed our product the way it was, to be easily integrated at the pharmacy level, to be able to universally fit onto any smart pill or any pill bottle for that matter. Um, We wanted something that everyone could use and everyone could work with and to streamline that communication between all these different parts. Now our listeners are just salivating to try to find out what this is. <laughs> this is a cap, right? It's not even a cap. It's a sticky thing that goes into the cap as a Bluetooth. Is that even close? Yeah. Yeah. You're right on uh, on the money there, Mike. It's, you know, what we were surprised to find is that when we looked at these solutions, there was nothing that was universally fit for any size pill bottle, no matter where someone got it filled. And so what we created, and I'll show it up on on my camera for you to see, Mike, but it can also be seen on our website or on our LinkedIn page, is the Patrex device, which is just a small nickel-sized device that's small enough to fit into the, the pill bottle cap of any size pill bottle. Turn that sideways, Gavin, too, for me. Let me see the edge of it. It's about the size of a quarter, and it's probably about the depth of a Turn that again sideways. It's about it's about the depth of a maybe a half inch or three quarters inch. It would it would basically fit into a cap and dip down a little bit maybe into the into the bottle. Yeah, and I'm going to show you one from one of our partnered pharmacies up in North Texas. It just fits just like that, just on the underside of the pill bottle. 
it just comes down a touch. Some pharmacies will maybe stack tablets rarely, but if sometimes bottles will just fit the tablets and they'll jump on, you know, they'll get up on the table and jump on it to crush the crush the tablets into a bottle. It's not going to fit those, but the average fill of a vial, this is going to easily fit into the vial. Right. And and just to, to show you, we, we we did a market review of all the pill vials that were out there and found that this one from Walgreens uh, was actually the smallest one offered on the on the pharmacy market. And you can see I've got one in there. You can't even notice that it's that it's attached. But once we once we open it up, it's just just right there. Right. So it fits it's about a 16, 16, 20 dram, and it's, it looks like it's a reversible top, and you've got that on the side as a safety cap. Does that go on the other side, too? Can, will it will it stick onto the top on yep. the other side? Could, could fit gotcha. on the other side if we wanted it to. Absolutely. And I assume those are not throwaway. Those switch with the caps? So they can be throwaway if the patient wants to. Depends on how much money you got, right? But can let me ask this. Can you reuse them? They can be reused. Do you reuse them by using the same cap or by can you pull them off that cap and put them in a new one? So we, we would assume that, that they could be done uh, either way. It somewhat depends on what the, the pharmacy uh, wants when we're, when we're partnering with them. So the devices last for around 120 to 150 days. You're looking at about a three or four month supply. These aren't going to be a three year kind of thing. No. No, and they, and they're meant to be at the end of that ninety day fill. Um, when they get their their next dose, they could either you know uh, transfer that cap over. They can throw away their the patient can throw away their bottle with our device in it. Uh, they're gonna get they're gonna get a new one on the new bottle, um, just because they're cheap enough, small enough to to be like that. They're gonna get a new one because they've signed up for the program or whatever. Exactly right. Wow, and I saw a QR code on the bottom of that. Yep. So the, the way they add a medication, and we're working on making this more simplistic every day, but um, the, the way they, they add uh, a medication is they just take a picture of their prescription label, pulls all the relevant information from it, and then they scan that QR code and it matches that medication and it's dosing time with, with that device. Very interesting. The pharmacist is putting on basically a generic QR code, but then the patient themselves is taking a picture of the label and then a picture of the QR code, and and I imagine it's just kind of like taking a picture of a check. You know, you take a picture of the front and the back, and until you do both, you haven't matched them up. Bluetooth low energy. And does that have a battery inside of it? It does. Like one of those watch battery kind of things or something simpler than that? Exactly, just a coin cell. Tell me about the intellectual property, and also tell me about how specific you needed to get to get that intellectual property. So for example, I imagine you're probably not just able to say a cool little device that helps people take their medicine better. You know, you probably had to get something more specific for that for your patent and so on. Give me some history on that. So far, we filed four patents on our device um, and those kind of range. Obviously, we can't go into too much depth on some of the ones that haven't been approved yet. But on the patents that have been cleared, um, there's a couple different pieces that are really kind of uh, what make it really differentiable from our competition, what make it really special in this marketplace in particular. Uh, one of the biggest things is just kind of the mechanical apparatus of it. Uh, we use kind of a myriad of different light sensors and some of these different pieces to actually judge whether the cap's being taken off. Um, we also judge motion and these other pieces and kind of use the spikes in these different parameters to actually judge whether um, the cap is being taken off in that proper, uh, in that proper time or dosing window. 
one of the big things that we did very early on in this process was uh, make some design iterations on different ways of understanding whether a patient has taken their medication or not. And so uh, just to give you a little bit of history, um, when Gavin and I started this thing, we were both college freshmen. And so we were very early on in our college careers and we had tons of free time. Uh, if you have school, but you have so much free time. And so Gavin and I really just spent the first semester, two semesters of college, uh, really in the library for six to eight hours a day, kind of working on different iterations and, and playing with different models, learning how to do CAD and learning different electrical engineering techniques and all these different pieces. And what we kind of came up with was just a myriad of different designs of how this thing could actually work. Um, our first model was actually called the module uh, or the nodule, sorry, uh, the no overdose, no overdose module. And um, we designed it really kind of more as a, a system, a technique, an, an actual uh, twisting kind of motion. There has a gumball technique, kind of what you mentioned before. Uh, but we iterated on it and we saw, as Gavin said, the, the different needs in the industry of you know making something that is universal, making something that fit with every pill bottle, that was easy, that was understandable by every different kind of patient demographic. And that's kind of how we iterated and landed on the model that we have currently. But one of the biggest things that we did was look at the IP, what's surrounding our product, what else is out there, and how can we iterate on these different pieces that are already out there. And when we first looked at the IP landscape for our device, we saw that it was really wide open. Uh, I mean, there was so much space around kind of this niche area of designing this universally fit pill bottle cap that we decided to just go for it. And so we went for it. We filed several patents in that area. We've got one approved last year, uh, kind of continuing to file continuation patents and everything. But the primary patents are really on, you know, a lot of these different integral sensors and these kind of motions and inner workings of the actual device, as well as the communication mechanism and the data that we stream from it back to the patient and allow that communication, that direct communication. Were you guys buddies before you got to college? No, we uh, we met the first uh, first two weeks of college. We were uh, across the dorm hall from one another. Now, Gavin, sometimes I'll talk to people, and because I know you've got a lot of sales training already or marketing training, I can tell. A lot of times they'll say, "Also, you got to bring all this stuff back to a story." Was it also like, "Hey, Andrew, we're gonna start a business." Hey, let's do it on these 10 things. Oh no, these five things. Oh no, let's do it on this one thing. And then, you know, come to think about it, my grandpa had a problem with this. Is that kind of how it went that you guys wanted to start a business or, or was this truly like, Hey, Andrew, my grandpa's having a hard time. I wish I could have helped him. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was more of, of the, the second way, actually. Um, we were, you know, funny enough, uh, both placed in, in the entrepreneurship hall at Trinity University, and on our first night, I thought you were going to say solitary confinement mm. or something like, <laughs> like you guys got in trouble right away. No, we we were in the entrepreneurship hall, and so I, you know, with my engineering background and Andrew with his software development background, funny enough, hadn't really um, heard much about entrepreneurship hall, um, nor had I um, even been, been familiar with entrepreneurship just as a concept. Um, didn't really know what it meant to run a business, but they told us on the first night that we should start thinking about 
problems that we can solve um, that that might be necessary and needed with our skill set. And you know, I had uh, just just about a month earlier, my my grandfather had passed away suddenly. Um, Sorry to hear that. Thanks. It was it was one of those things that was um, shocking um, and. Uh, just uh, just came out of nowhere. Um, you know, he was still really healthy and active, but one day forgot his heart medication, went out for a walk. Oh, really? Yeah. And then went out for a walk and his heart failed. And by the time he was found, it was too late. And it was one of those uh, things that revealed what seemed like a critical failing in the healthcare system in the sense that we put out something like 6 billion prescriptions every year, many of which are life-saving or life-changing. And yet, once we put them in the hands of the patient, we provide very little in the way for them to manage the medication, for them to track their doses, and practically nothing in the way of a real-time health intervention in the case that they miss a dose or if they overdose. So, came into Trinity and as of I think it was August and right like two weeks before that, um, the president had announced the, the opioid crisis as an official national emergency. And so it was, you know, right in the public awareness of what was going on. And so when we were told that first night to start thinking about ideas that we might be able to turn into uh, forces for social good and maybe turn into a business, um, you know, I talked with Andrew later that night and said, you know, I've got an, a, an issue that I think we could pretty easily solve um, just because it doesn't look like there are many that are trying to meaningfully solve the issue and provide a solution. So um, we just started putting our heads together. Um, we actually ended up um, trying not to try not to, to pursue it in, in the entrepreneurship hall as a project because we wanted to work on it on our own time um, just, you know, as part of our own efforts. Um, and, you know, it ended up being one of those things that, Andrew can talk a little bit more about this, but he ended up finding his own personal reason for why, you know, non-adherence was important to his life um, that was greater than just our, our kind of combined efforts of trying to solve what felt like a big problem. Would you have been stifled if you did it through that program? Was it kind of like American Idol where they would have like owned part of it or something? Why didn't you want to do it through the program? I think because it just moved too slowly. Um, we also had to create a, a team of people that were more than just myself and Andrew. And it was one of those things that we felt convicted to, to go and, and solve the problem on our own accord. And we didn't want to move at the pace that the, the class was moving. So we were wanting to just go, you know, kind of f full force and, and full speed ahead uh, on the project. Um, and by the time the class was over, uh, it, it was a one hour class. So it wasn't a huge commitment. So most people had just created a simple pitch deck with some concept art of what they might want to make. Whereas we had already, you know, created a, a for, uh, I think two iterations of prototypes and devices. Um, and we're already starting the process of, of trying to file a patent. So um, we were thankfully um, able to make a lot more progress just, you know, doing it um, ourselves in our spare time. So now, was it just a freak that you guys were in the same dorm because you were studying different paths in college, right? You wouldn't have run into each other during class at all. No, I don't actually think we ever even had a class together. So it was really a, a random thing. Did you know you were going into this entrepreneur hall? Neither of us did. No. no. You're lucky they didn't put you like in the ballet hall or something <laughs> like that. You guys should have found out about this. Right. Someone didn't do enough homework about school. <laughs> what project did you come up with for your class then? 
So we, we ended up using this as the, we ended up using this. Yeah. You just hid part of it or <laughs> we just did it on our own time and, and also put it into the classwork as well. And, uh, one of the great things I think that Trinity University actually did for us was actually give us and provide us some resources very early on in terms of, um, actually bringing this to fruition. In a sense, there's a, a competition called the Stumberg Venture Competition, which they run every year. Um, and it allows different student ventures to kind of come up and participate and, and, uh, compete for a, a prize. The first of which is a $5,000 prize for your team and then a, a $25,000 prize. And we were able to go through both rounds of that and won a, a good chunk of money from that to kind of put us through, um, and get some kind of prototypes developed. We really set into this in full steam ahead, really, um, kind of our second years in at Trinity really kind of developing prototypes, developing iterations of it and trying to find a niche that worked. Clinical trials was obviously one that we kind of looked at first and kind of iterated on that and went into pharmacy. Um, and at the end of 2019, uh, I was diagnosed with stage two appendiceal cancer. Wow. Um, which was a really interesting turn of events and uh, really ruined my Christmas break too. But um, it was really a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Luckily, I'm on the other side of it to the, um, you know, knock on wood. But, um, you know, it's really interesting when you're diagnosed with something like cancer. Um, there's a lot of things that kind of just come into the highlights in your life. And so you kind of see things in, in full, full clarity. Um, and I think with Gavin and I di diving deeper into healthcare and really kind of understanding the different parts that we could influence, diagnosed with being diagnosed with cancer, uh, kind of allowed me to see what it meant to be adherent to medication, what it meant to be non-adherent to, to medication when it comes to something like oncology, which is so crucial for that for that entire field. I wish you all the best on that, of course. Boy. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, luckily, like I said, um, I had a couple major surgeries and have since been um, on the up and up. But um, it really was kind of an experience that really highlighted how important the work we w were doing was. Um, when you start to talk to doctors and you are constantly at MD Anderson, you know, every couple months or so, um, you start to just be, a, when you're around the industry, you start to see kind of all the different pieces and all the streamline of communication and how these different pieces work. And it allowed me to really see and, and go back and work with Gavin on, on different ideas and concepts for how we could make our service just that much better to how we could really influence this entire industry in really streamlining communication for proper medication management. At one point, did you, did you feel that you were getting good feedback and you weren't just blowing smoke to each other. I mean, I might have this good idea at home for my wife, but I've got the story going, you know, a hundred miles an hour in my head because I'm afraid to even bring it up because I know that it's got so many holes in it that it's not going to go anywhere. So I just enjoy my time as, as an imagination, you know, as my little thing, because I know it's not going to go anywhere. But how quickly did you guys get this in front of a patient, a pharmacist or a doctor and say, is this anything? And did you get any people that were so negative that it sort of lets you down or did you get positive feedback? I'll speak from, from the initial point of view, which was the research that we did, which um, a lot of people told us that it was a saturated market, that there were a lot of adherent solutions that had been made and were out there um, over the last couple of decades. But um, as of you know, 2019, the average national adherence was still 50%, um, which was estimated to cause 150,000 deaths. 
2 million hospitalizations and something like half a trillion dollars of cost of the healthcare industry. And so, you know, with, with that, it, it seemed like the, the problem was far from, from being solved, especially in a meaningful way. And then when we started talking with pharmacists and we learned about how, you know, they struggle with, with adherence themselves. And, you know, when they struggle with adherence, it's often in the, the form of DIR fees. And those DIR fees have grown over the last decade, over 45,000%. And they've become, you know, a force that's uh, causing pharmacies across the country to go into the red um, or go out of business. Patients aren't compliant, and thus the numbers back to the insurers don't look good to say that Mrs. Smith is only getting her 30-day medicine every 43 days or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. And so it was really once we started talking with pharmacists and, and saying, you know, can we create something that's low cost enough that we can launch it at your pharmacy? You can provide it to your patients for free. It provides all these benefits uh, and incentives for the patient to use. And then uh, with that, increase increase average adherence and then lower those DIR fees and increase, you know, the, the amount of refills per year, which as you know, as you can imagine, would increase uh, prescription revenue um, and just make the life of the pharmacist a bit easier, pro- provide them with another form of contactless care and remote patient monitoring um, that gives them ease that their patient base is doing well. And so I think it was, you know, once we started, you know, talking with, with pharmacists and as Andrew mentioned, you know, our first, our first go at this, our first solution, which we took to market in 2019 was um, Patch Trials, a clinical research solution for principal investigators to improve adherence within the clinical research that they were doing. Um, and that was, that felt like a, a great place to be. Um, but these are people that are doing like drug tests. And for those drug tests, it was so important to know, wait a minute, first, let's find out if these people have actually taken this to then put it into our data to find out if it's good information to put into our studies, right? Their research. Right, exactly. Um, but I think, you know, Andrew and I were, were much more um, you know, fulfilled and interested when, when we were talking with the struggles that, that pharmacies are undergoing. Um, it was an area that, that you know, come January of, of 2020, uh, almost a year ago, we didn't know a whole lot about this field in this world. Um, and so we were absolutely blown away when we started talking and having conversations with pharmacists all over, right? Independent pharmacists, retail pharmacists, uh, specialty pharmacists, and hearing the the amount of work that they were doing on a weekly basis, the amount of effort, um, and just blood, sweat, and tears that they that they would put in for their patients, that seems to overwhelmingly go unnoticed, right? We we find that you know pharmacists are usually put last when thought of uh, when when people think of primary care providers, and yet we think that the work that they're doing is absolutely essential and needed. And so once we had those conversations, we realized there was a big problem that we could help um, bring that issue of non-adherence and solve it through a way that made the most sense for our pharmacy partners, uh, that, that's when we, we felt really uh, great that, that what we were you know, developing um, as of last year was, was something that, that was going to make a difference um, and help, help you know, launch at, at, you know, patient, uh, patients all over the country and to pharmacies that, that need a solution like, like this one. I always say that to some of the guys or gals on my team, especially when sometimes business might be competitive or down or whatever. And it's like, there's no lack of 
sick people and death, you know? I mean, like, the top killer is, you know, heart disease or cancer. And so people can say, like, there's no room for certain healthcare people, but it's like, wait a minute. The most important thing to most people is life and health, and the top killers are health and lifestyle. So there's got to be room for it. Now, maybe this one idea isn't what it is, but there's certainly room for it. Right. And and I think that that validation continued when we um, got our first MVP, um, you know, after about six, um, six months of development in July and August, we had, had we had our uh, MVP ready to go. Um, we partnered. What's that? Our uh, minimum viable product. So it's basically like the first iteration of the solution that we were ready to actually test in the market with real patients at a real pharmacy. The first model that works, it might not be as small as you want it or as long a battery or whatever, but it's something that at least can get out there. Exactly. But let me back up just a second, guys. Tell me about the designing, the physical designing of this outside of the battery and the, you know, wiring and stuff. I want to learn a little bit more about the plastic of this. It's going to be so high by so round. Did you have to go through the whole tool and die thing? Or are these parts that were already out in the market that you kind of could snap together like, you know, Legos or something? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of what we did was just based around Obviously, market research is the number one step in designing any product. Um, and so the, probably the, the first thing that we did was just evaluate all the different pill bottles on the market and said, okay, what, what do we need to be to be entirely universal? And that was our first priority. And from there, then we actually kind of designed some of the parts. We knew kind of what the features needed to be and how it needed to work. But the primary focus of it was, can we make it universal? So that needed to be a parameter for any parts that we put inside of it. It's the reason why we selected the chips. It's the reason why we selected the battery that we use. Um, all the different parts were selected for that very reason. Uh, but then once we got into the tooling and all the kind of manufacturing of the PCBs, we went outside for that. And uh, we now work, work with a great engineering firm now in Austin called Product Works and NuvaTech. Um, and they do all of our electrical and mechanical engineering for us. As I kind of mentioned earlier, we, we found the, the smallest pill bottle that was offered on the market, measured its dimensions and said, okay, we need to make it small enough to fit comfortably inside of this, which means it should fit comfortably inside of any pill bottle at any pharmacy. Um, and then the second was that we needed a battery that would ensure that we could have at least 90 days, right? Since the average um, or the most prescribed quantity is a 90-day fill. So it had to last for at least 90 days. And the last thing is that it had to be as low cost as possible. So looking to get closer to that single dollar margin, right, per, per device. And that was kind of the three constraints and goals that, that we shot for and have, you know, uh, succeeded on, um, you know, through, through development. I see. So when you guys sent this out, I have a friend that makes bird feeders. And for him, it was very integral to say, I'm going to design this because I want this angle to be just like this and stuff. You guys were more of the things that you mentioned, Gavin. You said, hey, we're going to hire this firm. You know, it's got to fit inside this. It's got to fit a battery. It's got to fit this. We're not the pros on how this snaps together or is it one piece or is it a this or that? And it's got to be cheap. So you take it and kind of go with this. That it sounds like that was closer than you guys figuring out the dimensions on your own. You know, you gave them kind of parameters. And I think that's really almost a theme in a lot of the stuff that we've done, which was 
you know, coming kind of fresh out of college or very young in our business careers, um, one of the biggest things that we've learned is that um, if you work with people who are, you work with a lot of people who are far more educated in their fields than you are. That's everybody for me. <laughs> exactly for us too. Um, <laughs> and if you can utilize their background, their expertise in a way that's much more efficient, that's just going to work out so much better for everyone involved. And so whether it's engineering or whether it's healthcare or whatever it is, uh, we just try and pull as much information from as many people as possible and use that to our advantage. So um, that has been a constant theme for us. A lot of people get this wrong with entrepreneurs. They think that entrepreneurs are just you know, out there cowboys and taking risk and things like that. And, but really a lot of entrepreneurs are really studying the data and all that kind of thing and trying to keep the risk as low as they can. Did you have any point though, of kind of, Oh, you know, when you think of like med students, I think like after three years, they call them in and they say, this is your point of no return. If you keep going in med school now, you're at the point where if you fail, you'll never be able to pay this off or something. What was your guys' biggest point of saying, do you really want to do this? Was there a point of that or has it just been a bunch of little steps all along? Yeah, I would say for, for me, Mike, at least uh, that that was probably um, last year, right? Our, our manufacturer um, that we had um, initially was was closed due to COVID um, in January. Um, you know, we so we didn't really have the ability to produce a product. Um, we were um, in the midst of of a small um, legal issue, and we were also um, you know in our last semester. And it was one of those things where it's like if we continue like this. Um, you know, we either forego, um, you know, doing the, the formal job search and having something lined up and going out into the, um, you know, in, into a field or continuing with education or we continue with this. And I think for us, it was, um, it wasn't a hard decision to make, especially given that, you know, we, we knew what it was that, that, that we were trying to build and had conviction to do it. Um, but it definitely was, um, you know, the, the point of, of no return. Um, and we had a conversation just to say, like, listen, we can um, kind of pivot into this next solution, patch our recs, develop something meaningful for pharmacies and for patients all over the country and try to do it during a global pandemic. Um, you know, or we could, you know, stop here and, and you know, pause and uh, just finish college, go out and get a job and, um, you know, do things you know, kind of our own way. Um, but I think we were both committed enough and, and so involved at that point that, that we um, were full steam ahead. It wasn't really that difficult to, of a decision to make um, for us. So, Did you guys both graduate college or not? Uh, I have not. No, I have, uh, I have actually a semester left of college. Gavin, did you graduate? I did. I did. I was able to graduate in May 2020. Andrew, are you going back or are you taking time off for this? Uh, I'm taking time off. Um, we'll see. That's better for the movie, <laughs> right? And did you at least do some of this in your garage? We did most of this either in a dorm room or any space that we could find. Dorm room works too. It's got to be a <laughs> dorm room or a garage. So, all right, I'm just going with this. <laughs> what legal stuff did you run into? So one of our early mentors um, at Patch was uh, one of the a board member at Trinity, actually, Doug Conyers. Patch is the name of the company that you put together then to flow through with this. That's correct. Yeah. 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 Patch. Yeah. And so one of our one of kind of our early mentors, he ran an engineering firm. 
Um, and we started working with them on kind of the first iteration of our product. Um, started developing that with them and, and had a good working relationship with them. And then um, I guess around last year, last summer, uh, we were uh, made aware that they were starting to develop their own smart pill bottle cap in some regard. And um, we were a little taken aback by it and um, tried to really actually the first kind of um, idea that we had was when maybe we can find a way to work together on this. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that Gavin and I have kept all along is really this perspective on how we can help really the most patients. And it sounds a little bit corny at times, but at the same point, um, can we get this product out faster? Can we get this out product out and make it better? So that was our kind of first judgment was, you know, maybe we can work with these guys and, and figure out a way to work together on this in some capacity and, uh, quickly realized that that was not maybe the full intention from the other party. Um, and so we kind of went on this back and forth kind of deal um, in, I guess, the fall of 2019. And then at the end of the year, um, it was expressed that uh, we would not be able to kind of, you know, retain some of the technology that we had developed on our own. And I obviously can't get into too many of the details of these things, but um, it was a real hurdle for us. It would have made it nearly impossible for us to continue developing anything on our product or any of the IP, any of the product that we had spent a year and a half researching and developing. We would no longer be able to do it. Because they pretended, I can't use bunny quotes on here, but they kind of pretended that they came up with it and then they got some patent that was maybe a little bit more specific than yours was or something. They had just retained some of the product. That's really all I can say on it. They said, hey, this is our stuff. This isn't your stuff. This is our stuff. Correct. And so we were not able to move forward. And so in December of, um, of 2019, we submitted a couple pieces, legal pieces to them and said, hey, we need our stuff back or we're going to take some legal action. And they dismissed it in a, a manner that was a little bit... Um, tough for us to see. And so we ended up filing a federal lawsuit in Bear County in San Antonio uh, against them and their company. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things that I think companies just tend to go through sometimes. Unfortunately, startups tend to go through it more often than others. And uh, we ended up, you know, things end up working out in our favor and uh, we were able to continue working on our product and we've retained all the necessary materials that we need to have to continue. But, um, you know, for a startup like ours, especially with us being so young, um, it really felt like we were taken advantage of completely. And that is such a disheartening thing to to feel and to get from a someone who really mentored us really early on. Um, so that was a t it was a tough go. And for myself and Gavin, it took, you know, uh, a lot of energy and a lot of time out of our day. And we had to, you know, pause working on a lot of our product to just deal with the lawsuit. Um, so it was tough from that standpoint. Obviously, lawsuits are in not, uh, you know, not a cheap thing to go through as well. So obviously, it takes a lot out of our funding as well. But, um, you know, I think it's one of the biggest things that we've had to do. And to get through it is just such a such a great thing in some some ways. It just allows you to see how much passion you have for the work that you're doing, allows you to see how much interest you have in it. And to go through that and come out on the other side with full force and ready to go. I mean, it, we have pushed so hard since then to get a product out and develop more IP and more safety and be better at our contracts and everything from now on. Um, it has made us better in, in every capacity, I think. And it's good for the movie. And it's great for the movie. It's great for the movie. <laughs> We set this podcast up 
few months ago and there was a couple times where you guys had to postpone it. And every time you did, I smiled. I said, that's great, you know, because it was a postponement of, hey, we're traveling to, you know, so-and-so. We're giving a pitch on this. Or, you know, we just got picked up by a couple pharmacies, so we're going to meet or something like that. So I'd reply to you. I'd say, wonderful. You know, keep it going. We'll talk eventually. When was the first time, when was it, and what was it that you guys, because you know, this stuff's great on paper. It's great when the when the study wants to use it and, and it's great when people say this is cool and your and your parents say good job, you know, that's all cool. But when was the first time where you made either investors or like you sold this or someone put an order in? I'm not even sure if we're there yet. Have you had any times where you're you know, it's turned green yet? When we created the MVP um, in in August, we were thankful uh, to find um, uh, Brandon Allen, uh, the owner of Allen Pharmacy up in North Texas. Um, his pharmacy is right across the street from where I went to high school, which is why I wanted to reach out to his pharmacy. And um, he was super excited about the, the potential of the technology and what we were creating and said, let's do a pilot study. So we decided to put all of our um, we only had like 50 or so manufactured units at that point, but decided to put all of them um, on prescriptions at his pharmacy um, on uh, some oral anti-diabetics um, in particular to do a pilot study uh, for 90 days starting in early September. And that was when we got a lot of the validation because we, we launched over there. I trained his pharmacy staff. I got to sit behind the counter and see patients and how easy it was for them to set it up and, and how easy it was for the, the pharmacists to understand as well. Um, it was so um, so quick and easy uh, as far as like the setup process that Brandon Allen actually decided to invest in, in our company. So it's one of those um, things where, you know, we're, it's kind of the ultimate validation, right? When, when someone who owns a pharmacy and is a pharmacist sees the value in a store and then decides to, to you know, be a part of the company um, in that manner. So, uh, that was uh, kind of the the ultimate validation for us. And then um, as we progressed in that pilot setting, we saw the results uh, being able to transform the adherence uh, of these particular patients from 70 or 80% all the way above 90% adherent on, on their medications. Um, it showed us that, that we were creating something that was intuitive, that people were using. Um, and then um, it was just a question of how how we could you know continue that success at a, other pharmacies. So that's what we've been up to, you know. And, and part of the reason why we postponed was um, to to continue raising uh, this round of investment. Um, we've raised with uh, a lot of pharmacists and and other independent pharmacy owners um, who've similarly said that that you know the technology that we're creating has you know, transformative power um, and, and might be able to really help uh, pharmacy take the next step forward. And then the other is just getting ready for, for the launches. We have um, right now uh, six or seven pharmacies uh, uh, on deck that we're going to be launching to uh, this week and next week and a health system that we're launching to and then a variety of other avenues that we'll be launching to in later February and throughout kind of the rest of this of this first quarter of, of 2021. So um, been, been super, super busy getting everything prepared, getting the logistics set up um, and having the supply chain ready. But it's been um, it's been super exciting, to say the least. Your professional friend that you grew up across the street from and so on 
Would that be the proverbial dollar that you frame? Was that your first real money coming in? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. As far as the business goes, when you say people invest, are they investing in a percentage of the business? Or are they investing just as loans that you're going to pay back to them? How do you go about that? We raise all on kind of equity deals. And the reason for that, and primarily what Gavin was talking about, a lot of this round has been based in healthcare. We've raised from a lot of angels in healthcare, uh, a lot of institutional investors in healthcare, and then even independent pharmacists and, and community pharmacists. And the reason for doing that is really just to build our business with the people who are involved in the business. And uh, when you have people engaged that are community pharmacists and the people that care about advancing pharmacy, um, you see a lot better engagement. You see a lot better products coming out. And so that's what we've done. And the people that we've involved in the company have been phenomenal in the kind of understanding of what we're doing, how we're doing it, and how to make it better. Um, and that's been absolutely crucial in the development. That's almost like stock they're buying in it. It's not public stock. So it's percentages of the the business. And it probably took a hell of a lot of time for you guys to set up what that meant for them. And they get so much either dividends or so much percentage back or something like that. Yeah. And I can see the reason for that, too, because especially as you guys as sort of outsiders to the medical place, if you're getting people involved with some equity, especially outside of your field, it seems like a seems like a decent move. It's one thing if you were already pharmacists or already healthcare workers and came and that's part of your story. But now coming in, I can see where equity could help with that. Well, let me ask this. You probably don't didn't want to though, right? I mean, if you if it was self-funded, you probably don't want to give stuff away, right? You wouldn't have gone out looking for equity just to get people involved. The number one reason was to get some money to get this going, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, with any startup, the funding, the the first dollars in, uh, however much you raise in the kind of initial rounds, um, it's so crucial to the development of the product and the development of the team too. Uh, once you build out a good team and you have the capital raised to actually build a product and build all the logistics of a supply chain, um, things kind of kind of work in order. And as long as you're getting good feedback and, and developing it properly, right away, if this thing takes off, you got to have that money input because you got as as start college students, you don't have it. And you've got to have money to get these initial orders out and, and the right people on board with Patch, right? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of that, then, is it just you two guys? Um, no, we actually have a decently sized team. Obviously, it's growing just about every day as well. Um, especially as we kind of continue to launch into pharmacies, we continue to need more uh, development help and engineering expertise and whatever it is. So Gavin and I are the only executives at the moment, um, but we've got, I think, six full-time members now and um, about 10 advisors and a couple people on, I think, four or five people on kind of independent contractor agreements with us working part-time. And um, and then, yeah, just kind of a myriad of other individuals who are involved in some capacity. Um, but like I said, we're bringing new people onto the team. We've got a couple new executives actually coming onto the team in February um, that we're super excited about. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just constantly kind of building out the team to try and develop a better product. Tell me about the six that you have. They're not warehouse workers yet. What kind of positions are those, for example? Yeah, primarily in software development and engineering. Um, one in business development, and then uh, the rest are engineers and software developers. And then we've got a couple part-time people in software development as well. You said you have an executive, you think, coming on. What role is that going to be? Uh, it will be somewhere on the in the C level. Um, that is still kind of in the 
in the process of getting worked out the kind of details of that. But, um, but yeah, we plan on bringing her on and, uh, in some capacity at, at the sea level or, um, kind of that, that area. The three of you spending more time thinking and planning where the six that you have, maybe they're planning, but not up at the 30 or 50,000 feet level. They're down doing things that you kind of tell them where you want to go, but this executive would be more thinking strategically with you down the road. Yeah, exactly. And so I think one of the big things that, you know, we're kind of moving into this space that we're kind of moving into is working with health insurance plans and working with PBMs uh, to engage them at a, a reimbursement level that's beneficial for the pharmacy and the patient. And when you haven't been in healthcare for that long, um, the connections just aren't there. And so that's kind of where we're bringing other individuals and executives on to kind of advance those strategic partnerships. Um, and we work primarily more on the integration pieces of taking that, you know, 30,000 foot view and taking it in and saying, okay, how can we actually use that to build a product that, that suffices all these different areas and works for all these different entities? If a pharmacist is hearing this right now and they're saying, golly, that really sounds cool. When should they be calling you or what should they be waiting for if they want to get their pharmacy going on this or will that even be available for them? We just opened up really two weeks ago for full, full-fledged full launches. Um, like Gavin said, we're launching uh, three pharmacies this week. We've got another one next week. We've got a big health system coming up in a couple weeks um, and then pharmacies rolling out all through February too. So, um, you know, one of the things that actually we've been uh, working on is really trying to find the best and innovative partners in pharmacy to work with. And that's been a, a big thing that Gavin has worked just a ton on is just figuring out which partners we want to go forward with and which partners are going to give us the best feedback to make our product just that much better. Uh, but yeah, we're open and, and running full-fledged um, in a lot of pharmacies now. So give me an example of like, what are people buying? How would they roll it out to their customers? Would the customer pay for it? Does the customer actually do the scanning and, and this and that? And I imagine it's a uh, a cell phone app or something like that. The way that we we launch launch it to them is is first we we roll out um, the software, and so the software is is a mobile app um, that, that the patients can use to um, add those medications to manage them. Uh, some other things that the that the mobile app does is uh, allows them to add their loved ones and other primary care providers to their medication journey, and they'll get notifications when the patients miss a dose. We also have a rewards functionality that allows for the patient to get financially uh, financially incentivized. Um, to take their medications properly and get rewarded every time they take their dose on time. And they have the ability to refill uh, through through our, our app. Um, they can order that refill directly to their pharmacy. Um, and then at the pharmacy level, we provide them with a web portal that allows for the pharmacist to see all of that individualized adherence data in real time for any of their patients enrolled in Patrorex and get notifications when a patient um, has missed a dose, if they've overdosed, and needs to get a real-time health intervention, as well as, as being able to see those refill orders um, or any communication that the patient has through the app. So um, we launch we launch that, and then and then we just add the devices uh, to that plan. And um, you know, let's say they've got uh, really low uh, PDC, really low adherence on on their oral anti-diabetics or their antihypertensives. 
maybe it's on their cholesterol medication. We would just see how many patients and uh, they have on those medications, how many scripts are filled, and then that would determine how many devices we want to launch um, to, to that pharmacy to help uh, bolster and improve the adherence on on those medications. Devices meaning how many cap things you would actually send them, right? Yes. So how many patch caps we send them, um, and then uh, we, we bolster the adherence on that patient population, on that medication or that demographic. Um, if they want to do a full rollout, uh, they absolutely could. Um, but that's that's what we want to provide them, and so. Um, just for the initial setup, um, we're actually working right now um, to have a reimbursement strategy so that uh, the the pharmacist can actually file a claim um, through us, uh, saying that that you know what we provided them is a remote patient monitoring solution. So um, as we get that you know up and running, and also we have a, a, a claims uh, process for um, the the interventions that they can provide through the web app. So when they get when they get that notification that a patient has missed a dose, and then they respond to that by providing a real time health intervention um, with that patient, they can also process that, and it's kind of in that medication therapy management or MTM space. And so what we want to provide uh, is something that reimburses the, the the pharmacist for the work that they're doing. You would then send that to the insurance or the PBM or something, and then they would then reimburse the the people somehow or something like that. That money's coming from someone else, whoever the original payer was or something. Exactly, and that and that's something that we're actually working with a couple of companies right now on on getting that process um, to be to be quick and, and easy. And and if we can get um, those reimbursements just right, um, the the solution will actually pay for itself. So um, we provide it to the pharmacy. The pharmacy provides it free or at no charge to their patients. That's completely up to them, though. If they want to, to charge their patients, they totally can. But at the price that we're setting it at, most pharmacies are actually um, interested in providing it totally free to their patients because they can cover the cost. And then once we get the reimbursements in place, um, then the cost will pay for itself. And the pharmacy will now have access to a technology and a software that's going to let them um, provide a real and unique value to their patients um, at no cost, right? So that's that's kind of our strategy and, and where we're going with it. You guys spoke about increasing the um, adherence and so on. And my question is like, yeah, but what are we comparing this to? Are we comparing this to what? You know, because like, how do they even know these adherence numbers to begin with? Do they they call people up and say, how many are left? Or are they getting it from the pharmacist? Is there enough data out there that your adherence is really measuring up against something? That's so nebulous. Like, what is adherence? You know what I mean? In essence, um, PDC, proportions of days covered, is is the, the industry accepted uh, measure for understanding adherence. And essentially what PDC does is measures the number of gap days between when someone should get their refill and when they actually get their refill. So if someone's got a 90-day fill of a medication, they come in at 105 days, that would be 15 gap days. And then they would use those 15 gap days to retroactively try to understand how the patient took their medication. But as you can expect, knowing that someone had 15 gap days doesn't really tell us how they took that medication. For instance, they could have they could have doubled their dose on 15 days. They could have skipped 15 days of their medication. They could have tripled their dose on five days, right? There's just an infinite number of ways that they could have not taken their medication to account for those gap days. It could be that they want to be like 
more compliant and they took too many, but then at the end they had communication issues or something, right? Back to the pharmacy on getting it filled or they didn't have the money or whatever. So you have real time data. Exactly. And and it's something that we're really excited about. Um, and eventually that's that's exactly what we'll we'll be kind of building out is is a database that, that can understand how real patients in the real world take their medications on a daily basis. It's much more granular than PDC and hopefully um, will lead us to having the the best insights in the market about you know patient behavior when it comes to prescription medication um, and leveraging that to create better policies, uh, better procedures um, and better med- med- dosing schedules and, and medication lists for patients, you know, based off of, you know, their, their uh, unique history and, and the conditions they have. Are there any interesting cases where you think somebody would go around the system on this where like a, a, a grandmother would say, I'm not taking that damn medicine, but I'll open this bottle up three times a day to show that I'm, you know, so my granddaughter doesn't try to get me in trouble or something like that. Are there any like stories of people trying to get around this or are there ways to not get around it and so on yeah i mean i would i would say that that our our kind of methodology for for patient facing solutions is all about um you know positive positive reinforcement and care and so you know essentially what we're trying to provide uh for the patient is something that that um positively reinforces them every time they take their medication correctly we're not trying to create a you know big brother um, surveillance technology that that you know tracks their doses and and you know tells on them if they if they do it wrong, but instead create something that that informs them about the medication they're taking, lets them know why they should be taking it, and and you know we have some features in the app that explain to the patient what medications they're taking, why they're taking it, that streamline communication between them and their their pharmacist or their primary care providers and family members in a way that we're hopeful, um, you know, kind of flips the script on on um, taking prescription medication. It's actually one of our, our overall goals with the company, kind of that, that you know, future vision is actually helping to, to change the culture around taking prescription medication where right now, you know, people are willing to share the steps they've walked, the calories they've consumed, all these metrics with their friends about their health uh, data, but they don't want to share what medications they're taking and how they're taking them, right? There's a lot of secrecy still around, you know, medications, even though 160 million Americans are on at least one prescription medication um, every year. So, you know, we want to help, you know, change that culture for the better and make it towards, um, you know, people are more open, they're more honest about their prescription medication and in and, and a way to get healthier. So... Yeah, that's interesting. I took my medicine, you know, this many times in a row or something like that, like the kids do on... Um what the hell, Snapchat or something, they say how many days in a row they said hello to their <laughs> friends or something like that. I wish they would skip one of those and say hi to me once in a while. <laughs> yeah, because like you guys don't have this as like like if they go so many hours past, they're not going to open it and it's not going to turn into a joy buzzer. <laughs> no. Do you guys remember joy buzzers? I, I do. I'm not sure if Andrew does. It looks like a ring, but inside you've got this thing about the size of your thing, and it's got a thing. And when you shake someone's hand with it, it hits the buzzer, and I, you know, it doesn't shock them, but it feels like they got shocked by it. Is it a reminder system too? Yeah, so, so it has a reminder system. So when they when they scan the prescription bottle um, and add that medication, they can set the reminders. And essentially, the way um, it'll it'll work is it'll remind them. 
um, right before their dosing time, at their dosing time, and right after their dosing time. Um, and at any point that they take their medication, the reminders stop. Um, but if they go through all three reminders and they still haven't taken their medication, it'll let their, their buddies in, the, in their care circle know that they're missing a medication, right? And so, you know, a family member can just, you know, message them or, or ask them, you know, what's going on. And if enough time elapses, then it lets them know that they've now missed the medication entirely so it, it helps you know provide that that first responder system with their closest circle of, of people and then their their pharmacist or their clinician um, or their nurse can get involved and, and provide a real-time health intervention um, to make sure that there's nothing you know larger at issue yeah because it could be that they're not taking it because they're they've fallen and they can't get up kind of thing I know a lot of people, they have their like pill packs, you know, like, like, like we just set up our two week pill reminder thing. Do you guys have anything for something like that down the road of opening up your pill reminder so they're not taking their actual bottles? Yeah, we're, we're working on it. Um, that is a big piece though, is those kind of pill packs. And the reason why those pill packs exist is because people don't have any system currently for <laughs> monitoring true. or managing the medication, which is what we supply. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're so right. You're right. We see our, our solution as a way to kind of uh, reduce the use of those in some capacity, and hopefully it's a much better solution than those. Um, those are kind of arduous, and you have the problem with, you know, mistaking uh, medication and stuff like that. So you open up two tops and, and two days pop out at once or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Once you got this down, the sky's the limit on whether this is a bottle or a flat package or a, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same process, basically, right? Yeah, and the technology that we've you know created is really universally applicable too. For sure, for sure. Speaking about that, last question, guys, just out of curiosity, has your mind ever gone to say something like, "Hey, now that people are using this for pharmacy"? This sounds like something they could use for X, Y, Z. Have you come up with any of those X, Y, Zs, whether it be, you know, reminding people to change this or do that? I mean, do you have any of those? Yeah. So uh, just in healthcare alone, I think there's a myriad of options. Uh, geriatric communities, you have pain management clinics, you have clinical research, clinical trials. So, I mean, just within healthcare, you probably have 10 options for where technology like this is applicable. And then you expand from there. Um, and really just the ability, if you think about just about anything, the ability to monitor and track things on a day-to-day -day basis, um, maybe it's shipping or maybe it's, you know, transportation, these kind of pieces, um, it just provides a lot of insights that people are lacking right now. And so that's, I mean, that's why I said, you know, our, our technology is universally applicable. And I really mean that in the, the grandest sense, in the sense that um, it really can be applied in so many different areas. I think for Gavin and myself right now, it's dedication to the healthcare industry. I think there's so many options just in our reach here. There's a million things. Did the person put their glasses on? Are they up walking around with other glasses? Or did they make it to the bathroom? You know, did they do this? I mean, all of those are very short jump of you having, instead of having a, a light sensor on a bottle top, you've got it in their bathroom just to show if the light flipped on yep. or something like that. So yeah, even in healthcare, you'd have more than your hands full probably with, with that, Absolutely. you know? Well, God darn it, guys. Congratulations on this. Thank wow. You. Really Thank cool. You. Thank you. Really appreciate it. This has been a, a great conversation. Thanks for letting me, uh, mess around and, and go to some places on that. I'm thinking about my move, the movie here now, not my movie, because you haven't given the rights to it yet to me. 
I know Patch RX can be talking about, and your website says both. It talks about Patch Adams keeping people happy and so on with their medicine, but it's also an acronym of Pill Administering Technology for Compliance Healthcare. So which one is the truth? Which one came first, Patch Adams or this acronym? I actually think the uh, Patch Adams came first. Um, I, I he's always been a health hero of mine. For the listeners that that um, don't know, uh, Patch Adams created the the first um, completely free hospital. Um, there was no cost for anyone involved, no insurance involved. Um, all all doctors that were practicing over the course of its twenty years did so on a completely volunteer basis. Um, and his whole um, methodology and, and, and kind of mission behind it was making sure that, that you know, the patient comes first always and that compassion is um, the, the core component of, of all healthcare. And so always been a health hero of mine. And once we created the name Patch um, as kind of an, an homage to him, um, you know, I, it was just, you know, can we, can we, fit in an acronym <laughs> so you can always figure an acronym out eventually right right yours is actually pretty darn i mean that's that's pretty tight on that one thank you yeah and the patch adams that was the late robin williams though that did a good job in that movie well gavin and andrew uh boy best wishes to you guys and we'll be watching and congratulations thanks for spending your time on the show and with our listeners thank you mike thank you so much mike it's been a pleasure all right guys we'll talk again soon Great. All right. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes.